Well, good morning. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm uh, one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And uh, Jeannie's right, this is the second and final week of our All In series. We just wanted to hit kind of pause in our teaching plan and explore this kind of big idea that we opened up last week. If you missed last week, I would highly recommend you going back in the podcast or watching the video from last week because we looked at sort of a big level picture about what it means for us to have a relationship with a God who goes all in with us, who goes all in for us. And so we looked at kind of the big story of the Bible and how from the very beginning we have a God who goes all in by creating us and pouring himself into us because we're created in the image of God. And then we looked at how God went all in by sending his son, Jesus, to this world, a broken and messed up world full of sin. And that Jesus said, I'm going to go all in by going to a cross. I'm going to give my life for you so that you may have life with me. And Jesus modeled going all in. And then God takes it one step further as we looked at in Acts chapter 2, how he poured in the Holy Spirit into people who have relationship with God. And so now all the power that God poured into Jesus was then poured into the Holy Spirit and was then poured into ordinary everyday folks like you and me. And so we kind of looked at this big idea of a God who goes all in, who holds nothing back from us. And so we asked the simple question, what do you do for a God who goes all in for you? What, what do you do for a God who goes all in for you? And so we kind of asked that question last week and sort of left it out there and saying specifically that we would come back this week and get incredibly practical and hands-on and take a big next step as a church to respond to that question, what do you do for a God who has so clearly gone all in for you? How are you sort of responsible with your response to God? You don't sort of wait for someone else to do it for you or blame it on your parents for not telling you or blame it on your spouse or whatever. You, you would take responsibility to say, God, I want to respond to how you have gone all in for me. And so this week, we're going to look real specifically at a pretty major part of your response and what it can be. And then we're going to take a moment to, at the end of this message to take that step together, to go all in together as a church. So I don't want anyone to leave here without having the opportunity to take that next step with God. Jeannie asked a great question just a moment ago. When was it that you figured out that you were actually good at something? When was it that someone saw something in you and, and called that out in you? What was it? And how did that feel to you to realize, oh yeah, maybe, you know, I have kind of some special sort of unique like gifts or abilities, or I can sort of do things that was affirmed by others. We had one of those moments in our family on Labor Day this last Monday. We had a big moment in our family. We've been talking with our kids for a while about swimming, about learning to swim. And all summer we've been working on it and making no progress. And so summer was clearly coming to an end. I mean, Labor Day, right? We are down to the wire. And what we'd said to our kids was, look, we want, this is so important for you to learn how to swim. Their grandma has a pool. And so we're like, you got to learn how to swim. I learned how to swim at the age of two. Now, this is back many years ago uh, before we were wiser and knew things about parenting. Because the way my parents taught me is they would grab me by the diaper, because that's how little I was, and throw me in the pool and kind of watch to see if I would sort of come up and then hop in. 
it, people get arrested for that today, but that's how I learned to swim. And so we're like, hey, we're not going to do that to you guys, but we need you to learn how to swim. And so we added some incentive. We said, look, if you can swim all, like the whole length of Gammy's pool, and if you can float on your back, we'll give you $25. Like I'm doing whatever, I'm going all in, like whatever I have to do. And that was the motivator that our son Elijah needed. <laughs> money, not survival, Money. And so real quick, I want to see, I think we have a clip. We'll see if we can show it from what happened this last Monday. Let's see if we can pull that up. Show us what you learned today. <laughs> that one arm. And there's Sissy to pull him out. Nailed it! Watch out, Sissy. Nailed it. All right, watch nice. the expression Two on his face coming out of here. Hey, buddy, look right here. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? Ted, put the phone down and get in the water with me. Yeah. Uh, such a cool moment for our son to go like, I did it. I nailed it. I got it. I swam and I made 25 bucks in the process. And it was such a cool thing for us because it's so important to find what you're good at and then to actually do it. See, for our kids, it's been a process, as I'm sure it was for you. Finding what you're good at usually starts with finding what you're not good at. And so we've been trying to figure out sort of, okay, what are the sports, what are the things that they are good at, what are the things they're not so good at? We've learned decisively that our son is not that interested in baseball. We've put him through baseball. In fact, last summer I said, son, I'm going to coach your team with you because I, I really want to see you, you know, give this a shot. And it did, I could have paid him $1,000. He just was not interested in baseball. In fact, he ended up, we ended up being one of the worst teams in our entire Park District League. It was terrible. In fact, the coach that we had, I won't say the name of the team because I don't want you to Google it and find it out, but was not the best at motivating these kids. In fact, at one point, he'd show up late for practice regularly. And at one point in practice, was on a phone call doing a business deal with a bunch of seven-year-olds trying to learn fundamentals and got so frustrated that he just walked off on the phone call and took the call and left all of us there. And I just thought, okay, th this is not okay. Because these little guys, if left of themselves, are not going to be able to figure this out on their own. And they're not having a great experience. And so I had to step in and sort of coach and teach from what I'm not that great at, which is baseball, to help these little guys who are not that great at all at baseball. And we had to try and figure out over the course of these couple months how these kids who were, some of them interested, some of them not interested, a coach who was clearly not interested, how do we do something together that was bigger than ourselves? See, because if we put one of these little guys out there by themselves to play baseball last summer, it would have been terrible for him, for you, for everyone watching. It would have been a terrible thing because he could not do that on his own. He was still learning how to play the game. And I think as I look back on my own childhood, I think about the things that I was a part of where I found out not only that I was good at something, but that if I worked together with others, that we could actually be great at something was a very important big, like, breakthrough for me. Like when I joined a team and kind of figured, oh, when I do my part and I'm good at this thing and when we're all kind of working together, sort of doing the things we're good at, we can actually do something great together. 
And as we look at the text that we're going to look at this morning, I think it's a really, really important question for you to consider. It's not just what are you good at, but what are the things, what do you give yourself to in your life that is bigger than you? What do you give yourself to that is bigger than you? What are the things that sort of you're not just good at, but you're contributing to, and it's bigger than just you? You trying really hard, bigger than just a bunch of kids trying to play baseball by themselves together as a team, like they could actually accomplish something. Now we never did, but the idea is that we could have as a team. What are the things in your life that are bigger than you that you can give yourself to in your lifetime? There's nothing wrong with, with your career. There's nothing wrong with your 401k, nothing wrong with how many Facebook friends you have, nothing wrong with your strict diet or your workout regime, nothing wrong with sort of pursuing comfort and those types of things, nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But the question is, are any of those things bigger than you? Are any of the things that you're giving yourself to actually bigger than you? Are any of the things that you devote sort of your attention and, and, and your resources and your thoughts and your planning and the better part of your hours of your day and the better part of your life, are any of those things actually bigger than just you? How do you give yourself to something that's bigger than you? Well, the Bible has a revolutionary and brilliant idea. The message we're going to walk through here today, I heard for the very first time 20 years ago, and it changed the trajectory of my life. And I, I had grown up in church where we taught from the Bible, and I had never heard this taught before. And so I want to walk you through a passage that gives us an idea of how to discover not only what we're good at, but how we can give ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. And so if you would please grab a Bible, and if you brought your own, fantastic. If you have it on your phone, that's great too. But if you don't have one, you can grab one of the blue Bibles in the seat back. Should be right here. And grab a pen, too, because we're going to circle some things in this and take some notes. And then in a little bit, like I said, we're going to use those pens to take a big step forward as a church today. But grab a Bible. In the Blue Bible, Romans chapter 12 is on page 790. So in the Blue Bible, it's page 790, if that helps you get there quicker. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Let me give you a little context to this passage, this revolutionary idea that God gives us of how we can give ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. Uh, context to this is this book that we're about to read, the book of Romans, we're about to read from, isn't a book. It wasn't written as a book. It was actually a letter written to the church in, anyone want to guess which city? In Rome. See, you guys, so smart. And so this is a letter written to a group of Christians in this big kind of capital uh, city. In fact, it was really at that time almost could, could be considered the capital of the world, this very influential city. And there's a church that's growing right in the heart of it. And so Paul, one of these uh, church leaders, one of the most influential church leaders, not only of his day, but throughout all of human history, is writing a letter to these things. And he's trying to lay out for them what this bigger life actually looks like and how you and I get to align our lives with that. And so in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he kind of opens up this idea that is fundamental to our church. It's a cornerstone that we built our church on, is that growth is actually normal, that transformation is possible in God. 
That this is what God created us for, was to grow and transform and become new in him. It's what we built our whole church on, that idea. But jump down to Romans 12, verse 4. Paul gives us a brilliant metaphor of sort of how this works out in our lives. And he uses this really beautiful picture that is deeper than you might think at first pass. Paul says this, Romans 12, verse 4. He says, look, here's kind of how it works, this bigger thing. Just as each of us has one body with many members or many parts... And these members don't all have the same function. So just hit pause. Paul is doing basic biology here, okay? This is like before frogs and labs and that sort of stuff. Paul is saying, look, you get this, right? You have lots of parts and each of them does a different thing. And you can see the reader's room going, yeah, I get it. I don't get it. It's real simple. It's not, the metaphor isn't that deep yet. He's like, look, you, we all have bodies, we all have parts. Yes, okay. He goes, here's what I want you to understand. So in Christ, that means when we're in relationship with God, when we are following Jesus, Though we are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to whom? All the others. Isn't that interesting? You'd think he said each member belongs to God. But he's saying something much deeper. He goes, look, just like your body has parts, and each of the parts do specific things, everyone nods their head and goes, yep, yep, we get it. He goes, okay, here's how it is in relationship with God. It's not all about you. This faith thing was never meant to be a private endeavor, you ever met anyone like that who talks when it comes to faith? Well, that's just a private thing. That's just a private thing. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, it says, no, you're a part of a bigger thing, and you actually belong to each other. You are sort of dependent on each other. Now, the metaphor kind of has two parts that I think uh, are worth us exploring as we dive into the role that we get to play in the bigger thing that God's doing. First and foremost, you can kind of get in the first passes, the, the big thing that, that, that Paul is referring to here is, is, like, is the church. It's sort of the, the, the movement of God, the people of God throughout the world, throughout really history. He's saying, look, if you look at the church kind of as this body, well, then each person is like a part and each person has a part to play. And you can kind of look at that and go, yeah, 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 I get that. That kind of makes sense. You know, it's, it's kind of not all about one person, but all of us sort of coming together and kind of doing a bigger thing than just ourselves. And you can kind of nod your head and go, yeah, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. I get that. That, that. that, you know, adds up. But I think at a deeper level, what's really, really interesting when you kind of live with this metaphor is this, is that if that's the case and the church is sort of this body and when we come together and offer our sort of part, then it becomes a bigger and better thing than it would if we were just sort of on our own. What's really interesting is that the church, just like the human body, if it loses a member, if it loses a part, so maybe, maybe you've lost the use of, uh, of a limb before or maybe you've lost your eyesight temporarily or you've met people who can't hear and so you can function and move on as a body without specific parts. But what's really interesting is that those specific parts cannot live without the body. A body can live without a hand, but a hand can't live without the body. And what Paul is playing out here for us, and what God is teaching us at a deeper level, is that you are a part of something that we belong to each other, and that it's not just about the church not being fully itself without me. It's about me not being myself fully without you. That we sort of need each other, and that each of us has a part to play, but on my own, left to myself, isolated from everyone else, I die. Now, I can keep myself sort of 
alive on, you know, artificially for a long time on a lot of different things, on money, on comfort, on all kinds of things. I can sort of keep myself artificially alive, but I don't truly live unless I'm connected to you and to a bigger thing that God is doing. The body can live without a part, but that part can't live without the body. We need each other. And so what Paul's saying here is you are a part of a bigger thing and you have a part to play and you can't truly live apart from the bigger thing that God has invited you into. See, Paul's painting this beautiful, beautiful picture with this one simple metaphor that there is this powerful unity that comes from our beautiful diversity. There is something powerful that happens when we come together, not just sort of for the bigger thing, but in us as well. And so Paul kind of fleshes it out in verse 6. Let's look specifically at the meat of the passage that we're going to look at this morning. Romans 12, verse 6. Paul says this, we have different gifts. We have different gifts. That's what Jeannie asked us a little bit ago. Same kind of idea. We're good at different things. We have different gifts. So this is what Paul says. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. Now look at Paul's sort of if-then statements here. If it's teaching, then anyone want to guess? Then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Paul is saying, look, here's the reality. You're a part of a bigger thing, and you have a part to play in that bigger thing. And apart from that bigger thing, you don't really truly live. And so do you know what your part is to play? Do you know that the thing that God has for you to do, that he has uniquely gifted you to do? If you know what it is, and Paul says, then do it. Then do it. And so it's very important for us to understand exactly what it is. What Paul is laying out for us here in this passage and and in several other passages throughout the New Testament is this idea that God has poured into every single one of us spiritual gifts. The Bible calls them spiritual gifts. That you actually have spiritual gifts given to you by God. Spiritual gifts that are a part of who you are and a part that you get to play in the bigger thing. Spiritual gifts. Every single person has at least one. No single person has them all. Despite maybe what you thought about yourself. We all have a part to play. We all have spiritual gifts that God has given us. Simply put, spiritual gifts are what God supernaturally does with what you would naturally do. You get that? Spiritual gifts are what God supernaturally does through what you would just sort of naturally do. The things that you are naturally drawn to and naturally sort of good at, those aren't just sort of by you know, accident or happenstance, that there are actually things that God has wired you to do. And he supernaturally does something through those spiritual gifts that you would naturally be drawn to doing on your own. God sort of uniquely and distinctly pours himself into every single person. And when we enter into relationship with him, and the Holy Spirit, as we looked at last week, comes all in who you are. These things get unleashed, and your life begins to change, and the church becomes more beautiful, and the world is different because of it. 
spiritual gifts that God pours into each of us. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? I remember having coffee with a friend who's part of our church and sort of new to faith. And I was walking through some of these kind of concepts and others with him, sort of what this life with God looks like. We're in the middle of a crowded restaurant over lunch in the loop, and we're talking. And at one point, he kind of stops me. He goes, like, does everyone else know about this stuff? Like that I was introducing him to some sort of secret club of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm like, yeah, people have known about it for 2,000 years. I think what you're asking is how come more people don't live like this? Do you know what your spiritual gifts actually are? Are you using them? Are you leveraging them for God? See, God's big plan for the church and to change the world is actually quite small and specific. It's consistent for all of us and yet unique to each of us. You have spiritual gifts given to you by God. And so the question for you is you consider what does it mean for you to go all in with God is what are they and how do I use them? This was the message that I heard for the very first time taught by a pastor named Bill Hybels. He runs a small little church out in the suburbs. And when I first got to that church, I mean, first got to that church, and early on I'd heard this idea taught from the Bible, it, it like a light came on for me. They'll say, oh yeah, yeah. That's right. I think I have the spiritual gift of teaching. And here's how I know. Because I have been naturally doing that my whole life. Up until about a year or so before I heard this message taught, my plan for my life was to be a school teacher. I had gotten involved in the little middle school ministry of our church and began teaching for my own sort of initiative because I had to do this thing. And what I didn't know was that God was actually supernaturally doing something through what I would naturally do. And when I heard this passage and several others taught, a light came on. I said, oh, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This actually sounds like fun. This sounds powerful. This sounds different. This may be what God has sort of wired me for, is to leverage the gifts that he's given me for him and for others in this world. What I didn't know at the time was I had been very, very, very passionate about using that gift, and I didn't even have the language of the spiritual gift of teaching, which we just read about in that passage. I had been using it with teenagers. Now, I could have used the gift of teaching in a lot of different places. I could have been a school teacher. I could have gone and, and taught little kids. I could have taught a Sunday school class. We had those at our church, bad coffee and all. I could have done that sort of thing. I could have figured out how to sort of teach a class type class in our church or all kinds of different things. But for whatever reason, I kept coming back to teenagers. I loved working with teenagers, mostly because I was just recently one. I was only a couple, 20, 21 years old. Still in some ways acting like a teenager. And so I love teenagers, but most specifically because I know how important that season of life is. I was talking to a mom in our church yesterday, and her son's a freshman in high school, went to his first freshman, you know, went to his first football game at his high school as a freshman. She said to me with eyes wide yesterday, this is all new territory for us. (laughs) And what she's saying there is is these are important years, important chapters of someone's life. You know that from your life. Maybe the joys from those chapters, the pain from that chapter. For whatever reason, I couldn't explain it to you, but I was drawn to that season. I was passionate about teenagers. 
And so here I was, without any of this sort of language understanding of what God was doing, trying to use a spiritual gift in a group of people around in a way that I was most passionate about. And I think what's really interesting is we consider what it means to go all in for God. I think what's so powerful and so beautiful is those things aren't just sort of two separate tangential things that sort of exist isolated from the other. That in fact, the reality is, is that God has actually invited you to use your spiritual gifts aligned with the passions that you have within you. To use your spiritual gifts aligned with the things that you are passionate about. So to do the things that you would naturally do, God's going to supernaturally do what you would naturally do around the things that you already care about, the things that you're actually passionate about. What are some of the God-given, Holy Spirit-driven passions that you already have in your life? Maybe for you, it's, it's kids. It's little kids, and you love little kids. You love that stage of life. You're just passionate about kids. Maybe for you, it's justice, and it's the poor or the oppressed or the overlooked, the under-resourced. You can't stop thinking about the injustice that exists in our city and in our world. Maybe for you, it doesn't sound as sexy as all those things. It's data. It's analytics, and you kind of keep that one hidden to yourself, you know? No one cares about numbers. But you do. You do. And you're passionate about it. And you, those things matter. You can see threads and connections and things. And you're naturally going to do that and be gravitated towards those things on your own anyway. Maybe for you it's learning and understanding. And you love kind of trying to like take things in and connect the dots between different things. And so you're always reading. You're always paying attention to what's going on in culture. What are the things that you already care about? Might those be passions that God has given you? What if the things that you really care about were actually given to you by a God who really cares about you? What if the things that you really care about were actually given to you by a God who really cares about you? See, for most of my life, and maybe this is your assumption, I'm not sure, but maybe this is your assumption, when you think about what it means to serve God, and what it means to sort of, you know, volunteer maybe at a church, or to serve God, or to respond to maybe a thing, a prompting that God has put in your life, for most of my life, I thought the only way that it's going to make God happy is if it's really hard. And so the things that God wants me to do are clearly the things that no one else wants to do. And so what it means is if I'm going to serve God, it's going to be hard, and i got to kind of do it, but that's the obligation. That's the thing I'm supposed to do. And so, you know, I'll go on this trip, or I'll kind of sign up and show up at this thing, and i kind of got to do this sort of begrudgingly, but that's what God wants. I get to make God happy by doing things that don't make me very happy. And I just, I can't, that couldn't be further from the heart of God. Because we have a God who actually has given you spiritual gifts and then wants to align them with passions he's already given you so that serving him is actually a delight and that you grow because of it, that you become more alive as you're a part of the part you play in the bigger thing that God's doing in this world. What are you passionate about? What are the things that you really care about? We have a group of moms in our church who really care about moms. They love caring for, especially moms kind of in and around the city. It's a unique challenge raising kids in and around the city. 
And these moms have gone out of their way. They are passionate about partnering and caring for and connecting with other moms. And so they meet regularly and they take over our church. And it's a really powerful thing to see because you can see their passions aligned. I tried getting in the group. They wouldn't let me in. I tried, but it's a mom's group because they're passionate about that unique thing. There's a guy upstairs that works with our toddlers named Brent. Brent is passionate about that specific season of life, like three and four-year-olds. Now, you may run from them, (laughs) but he walks right up to them. He's played a huge role in our daughter Gigi's life. She loves Mr. Brent. And here's a guy, a successful guy, kind of got his own career thing, got his own life going, but he's passionate about caring for little ones. Gina in our church is passionate about food and preparing food and and sort of setting an environment for people. She loves that sort of stuff. And so what she's kind of figured out is how do I align this passion with these spiritual gifts that God has given me of leadership and encouragement? And she has built, along with many others, a culinary team. In fact, our volunteers most likely had a better breakfast than you this morning, (laughs) made by other volunteers who get to use their passions for cooking and preparing and hospitality and setting the space. And they do it every Sunday morning. She found out what she's passionate about and said, could it be this thing I really care about comes from a God who really cares about me? We have folks all over our church, Greg and Judy Goals, who are coming to our church and who are passionate about young couples and want to do whatever they can do to pour into young couples and prepare them for the lifelong adventure of marriage. And so they're trying to figure out how do we align our lives and our spiritual gifts with these things that we're passionate about. This Wednesday night here at the church, we have a thing called Heart and Soul, and we do it every quarter or so. So this Wednesday night, all of our volunteers are going to gather together and we're going to hear vision about where God's at and where we're going. We're going to worship God, but then you know what one of my favorite parts of the night is? We're going to bring some folks up, and they have no idea who they are until they walk on the stage. And we're going to celebrate the fact that they are leveraging their spiritual gifts and their passions to be a part of a bigger thing that God is doing in the world. What are your passions? What are the things that you are passionate about? Could it be, could it be that your God-given gifts are meant to align with your Holy Spirit-driven passions? And then that we get to go one step further and go all in by doing whatever we can with our gifts and our passions to leverage the resources and opportunities that God has given us. See, what our world looks at when it comes to resources and opportunities, our world tends to look at things like resources and opportunities as sort of the end goal. I have to acquire as much of this as possible. I want to sort of get the right opportunities to have the right advancement in my career or in this relationship. But the person who follows Jesus says, no, 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 these aren't the end. These are a means to the end. These are a part of a bigger thing. And so when I discover my spiritual gifts and I align them with my God-given, Holy Spirit-driven passions that he's already given me, then I look at my resources and the opportunities that God brings into my life and I say, God, how might these be used for you? How might these things actually be used as a means to what you want to do in this world? In other words, God, if I believe that these things, the resources, that means the time, the talent, the the treasure in my life, those sorts of things, 
and the opportunities, the influence that God gives me, if I believe, if I get to a place where I believe that these actually come from God, then it's much easier for me to offer them to God. If these are from God, the resources that I've been entrusted with, the opportunities I have, if these are from God, then I want them to be for God. God, how can I leverage these things that you've brought into my life so that I can be a part of the bigger thing that you're doing in this world? Have you ever thought about what the resources and opportunities that God has put into your life? Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's right now you're in a season where you have the resource of some time. You have some spare time. You could spend it doing a lot of things. What would it look like for you to say, God, I want to leverage this time to be a part of the bigger thing that you're doing, not just serve my own end? God, I have these opportunities in front of me. I have these relationships. I have sort of these connections. I have these things, God, that maybe on the surface might not seem like much, but God, here's what you do. You give me spiritual gifts that align with who I am. You give me passions that I really care about. And could it be that these opportunities in front of me, God, are meant to be partnered with that so that I can actually go all in and say, God, really, you'd want to leverage these opportunities at my business? You'd really want to leverage these relationships for your glory and to write a bigger story than I could ever write on my own? then have at him, God. If it's from you, then it's for you. And that's how I want to go all in. So, do you know your spiritual gifts? Do you know the passions that God has already put in you that are stirring within you? And what are you going to do about it? Paul says, if, then. If it's this, then do it. Then get to work leveraging the gifts that God has given you for his glory in this world. Now, it would be really easy for me to say, all right, gang, got it? Read this passage. There's about four others. I want you to find out where they are. Do that on your own. Figure it out. And then report back to us with what your spiritual gifts are. And then we'll figure out that we could do that. But I don't know that that would be as helpful to you, to me. And so what I thought we'd do in the closing minutes of this message is actually take that next step together. Like to really go, okay, here's what I think it is. It may not be totally all this, but I'm going to take my best shot, God. This is sort of what I think. Or maybe you've done this sort of thing before and you know, and you'll be able to zip through this. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab in your seat back this card that says all in. We're going to take a moment or so just walking through and going, okay, I want to try and understand what my spiritual gifts may be. And here's what we're going to ask you to do. Really important. I'm going to ask you to grab a pen and we're going to ask everyone to grab this card. This is some, for some of you, this may just be as helpful as self-discovery. For some of you, it could change the trajectory of your life as it did for me. But I'd ask you to write your name, email, and phone number on the front. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. We're going to sell it to Google. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. They rent it more than we sell. But anyway, the point is, write your name, email, and phone. And what we're going to do for the next couple minutes, just a few minutes, is walk through just 12. This is not a conclusive list, but our team worked really hard to, you know, pull through the scriptures and pull through the 12 kind of core spiritual gifts. Again, there is a lot more for you to study on your own, but if we're going to pull from these 12, and I want you to walk through with this in mind, what might be sort of my number one spiritual gift? Yep, this is the thing I would naturally do that God wants to supernaturally do something through. And so you're going to write a number one and a number two. That's it. You don't need to go through and put them all in order or anything like that. A number one 
and a number two. And then under each of these gifts, some of you are already read ahead and you're not listening to a word I'm saying. That's fantastic. It's okay. You have the gift of leadership. That's fine. Just check it now. So also under each of these gifts, there are serving teams and opportunities. Places for you to actually align then your, the things you're passionate about with the gifts that God has given you. And at the end of our service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to leverage an opportunity to come forward and go all in with God. So let's just walk through these very briefly. And as I'm going through, if you go, yep, that's me, then make a little mark. Write number one or number two, and then your first and second. And then check the serving team that kind of most lines up closest to this. And it's a work in progress. We'll help you dial it in, but we want to get you all in. First off, the gift of administration. You love to organize ideas and, and things and, and, and time for effective results. You can delegate responsibilities to others, set goals, and make plans to accomplish them. Again, if you don't have this gift, you clearly know it. But if you do, I want you to write my number one on this. Yeah, this, that, is so, that is me. That is 100% me. You can write a little number one in that big box and then look through as I'm talking and go, okay, yeah, I think I would want to do this or I'd want to do that, lining up with my passions. Gift of helps. This is a gift that the Bible talks about. I find joy being a help to others. When I serve God, I don't really care who gets the credit. I like doing things behind the scenes. Again, if that's you, go ahead and mark that up and start. You can kind of pull off to the side there and fill that out as I'm continuing to talk. The gift of intercession or prayer. I believe that my prayers have tangible results in people's lives. I often listen to and discern God's will through prayer. Prayer is one of my favorite spiritual exercises. If that's you, you already know that. Write number one or number two on there. Leadership. I can motivate others to get things done. I can lead groups of people toward a common goal. I enjoy leading other leaders. Now again, if this is a spiritual gift that God has given you, my hunch is you can trace this all the way back to your childhood. So you kind of have a sense. I know, yep, that, that is me. That's clearly me. Gift of hospitality. My home is always open to guests. Or maybe you like to make places feel like home for others. I enjoy creating welcoming environments. When people visit, they feel good about being in my home. Maybe you want to look at one of the passion areas under that gift, if that's you. Gift of giving. I'm confident that God will meet my needs, and I respond by giving sacrificially to God. You love, you take delight in giving to works of God. I give up certain things in order to give to God's work. I enjoy giving my time or my resources to benefit God and others. If you kind of light up around that, then go ahead and put in one or two there. Encouragement. I love to build people up. I enjoy motivating others to action. I'm expressive in a group and others listen when I speak. If that sort of describes who you are and what you've seen God do in your life already, then write a one or two there. Evangelism. This is a gift the Bible talks about a lot. It's a spiritual gift, but it's also something that every follower of Jesus is called to. I like sharing with others how God has changed my life. It's easy to talk about my life or spiritual matters. When I share my faith, I see positive results in other people's life. Might you have the gift of evangelism? If so, you go ahead and check that now. You can flip over to the last page. Shepherding. I enjoy showing care and concern for groups of people. I love consistently leading a small group. I've helped friends or family return to or find faith. You just really care well about people. If that's you, you can write a one or two there. Wisdom. When important decisions need to be made, I feel confident in God's guidance. 
I have a good intuition on how to solve complicated problems and can often see the wisest thing to do, what that is. So if you have the gift of wisdom and you've heard others affirm that in you, go ahead and write that one or two. Mercy. I enjoy doing things to comfort others. I enjoy helping people who are hurting. I enjoy helping others even when they may not thank me. And then lastly, teaching. I communicate biblical truths to others so that they are helped. I enjoy teaching others about Jesus and the Bible. I've been told I have a gift for helping people understand ideas. Now, these are the things that were true of me before I even knew that this was a gift from God. And maybe that's your gift, too. So you just write a one or a two there. And then even as I'm talking right now, and even as we're kind of going through this, I know it's sort of a lot, but I think it's really important for us to just say, okay, God, could it be that you've gifted me to be a gift to others? that you want to supernaturally do something that I would sort of naturally do on my own. God, you've created me to be a gift to others. And what we want to do is we want to, as a church, get behind every single person's spiritual gift as much as possible. See, there's this false assumption about church that we're supposed to sort of pay professionals to do all the work, and that's what staff is for. They're supposed to sort of do the work. The work of a staff in a church or people who work for the church is to ultimately ignite and help you live out of and lead out of your spiritual gifts. That's my job, actually, is to help you discover this stuff and then do something, as Paul says, if this is your gift, then do it. So that's why we want to provide the opportunities for you to check that off. And in fact, this week, when you drop this off today, later this week, you're going to be hearing from our team about next steps that you can take to get involved with what God is doing. Now, I know what you may be thinking. You may be looking at this and looking at the check boxes, and then you remember that you wrote your name and your email and your phone number, and you may be thinking in your mind, hey, wait a second. Is this all just been one big infomercial to get people to serve around here? Yes. <laughs> You're right. It is. Because something happens when you align your life with what God has already gifted you to do. Something changes, not just in our church. Remember the the church can survive without certain parts. The body can survive without certain parts. But those parts cannot survive without the body. And so our hope ultimately is that we would see more and more and more people in our church serving God out of more and more and more of who they are for more and more years to come. We want you to discover and develop your spiritual gifts because it changes your relationship with God. And you begin to understand that who you are and what you do are not two separate things, but they come from the same place, from the same God. And so we absolutely want you to discover what your gifts are and then to get to work practicing them. Because when you do, not only does your life change, but this church changes. Not only does this church change, but our city begins to feel the weight of people who say, it's not all about me, but what about God wants to do in me and through me. This is how we go all in for God. So here's what I'm going to do. You can finish filling this out right now as I pray. And then in a moment, when I say amen, we've laid up an altar here at the front of the stage. And I want to invite you to come forward and lay your card down to come right up to the front and say, I'm all in. 
I'm all in. I want to leverage whatever God has given me, align it with the passions that, you know, I already care about, align those with the spiritual gifts that God's given me. I want to get involved with what God is doing in this world, and we want to help you do that. And so when I say amen, we're going to spend a moment worshiping God, responding to him. Part of that response is you to come forward and lay this down, and we want to get to work and helping you discover and develop your spiritual gifts. So let me pray for us, and you can come forward and respond in a second, and we're going to worship God from that place this morning. God, thank you so much. These things aren't just an accident. These things aren't just sort of circumstantial, God, or disconnected. These things ultimately are so intricately connected, and ultimately, God, they are intentionally designed by you. God, I pray, I pray, I pray for those who would call themselves followers of yours that they would do, as Paul said, whatever they have to do to do what you've invited us to be part of, God. If we have this gift, then we want to put it to work for you, God. We want to go all in. We don't want to hold back for ourselves. We don't want to miss. We don't want to, out of sort of fear, or I'm afraid this is going to be inconvenient, miss an opportunity, an invitation from you to get involved in what you're doing. God, we want to go all in because you have already gone all in for us. And so this is just one of the ways that we can respond to you. I pray, God, that our church would be built on that on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, of the incarnation of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the living out of that through spiritual gifts and passions, God, that you've given us. So I pray that this would be a holy moment that we would remember, God, the day that we said, I'm all in with you, God. I'm all in. If it comes from you, then I want it to be for you. And so God, meet us now in this time of worship and response to you. Thank you, God for how you've gone all in. And so now, God, we want to go all in with you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.